0: Welcome to Paradigm Shift, the podcast about the intersection of business and law. By changing yourself, you can change your business. Now, here's your host, Christina Martini. Welcome to Paradigm Shift. My name is Christina Martini, and I am your host as we explore the intersection of business and law. Today, we are going to continue with a recurring series. Where we feature general counsel from various companies called Inside the General Counsel's Office, exclusively on paradigm shift. Over the course of this podcast, we have talked to a number of lawyers who have held the GC position within various organizations and who have shared their insights with us on myriad topics, including relationships with outside counsel, their interactions with the board and the C suite the importance of diversity and inclusion, emotional intelligence, leadership, and numerous other topics. I am so excited to be continuing this series of conversations with general counsel with my interview with a great lawyer and role model who I am also honored to call my husband. It is my privilege to welcome David Sussler to the show. David has a valuable and insightful perspective on being a general counsel, having held that position in two of his former jobs as in-house counsel over the past 20 years. In this context and in his current role as associate general counsel at National Material, he has worked extensively with internal clients within his organization, as well as with outside counsel and vendors who are service providers to him and his company. During his 31-year career, David has worked both as outside counsel in a law firm as well as in-house for various companies, and he has an interesting and valuable perspective on what it takes to be a general counsel. David has frequently written and spoken on the topic of emotional intelligence for over 10 years, and he and I are co-columnists of the Chicago lawyer column, Inside Out, which compares and contrasts private practice and in-house counsel perspectives on current issues and trends impacting both the legal and business landscapes. He and I have been writing this column for over nine years. In both this and the next episode, David and I will look at the inside scoop on being a general counsel and what it takes to do the job effectively. David, welcome
1: to the show. Thank you for having me.
0: So, David, you've appeared on the show before. You were actually one of my first guests last year when Paradigm Shift was launched in 2018. It's really a privilege to have you back on the show, this time in the context of continuing our ongoing series where we speak with general counsel one-on-one about their experiences. Now, you have an interesting background in as much as you've been in-house for about 20 years, and the first two positions that you took were as general counsels of the two companies that you were a part of, and your current position is as associate general counsel, correct?
1: That's correct.
0: So you have a very interesting uh, frame of reference, having been a general counsel for your first two in-house positions, and the questions that I'm going to ask you are very similar to the ones that I asked of Shar Dalton. Uh, several months ago when she helped us kick off this ongoing series of of speaking with general counsel. So I'm going to ask you um, the first question, which is what I asked Char as well, which is what made you decide to become a lawyer and how long have you been practicing?
1: So I grew up in a family full of lawyers and I decided to be a lawyer at a very young age, probably by the time I was five or six. My father was a lawyer of course, he was my primary influence. I grew up with two great-uncles. Uh, I grew up in Decatur, Illinois, so it was a fairly small community. So my father and my two great-uncles were my, probably my primary influences. And then, of course, I have my oldest sister's a lawyer. I have uh, my dad's sister. My aunt is a lawyer. I have several cousins who are lawyers. So at some point as a little boy, I decided I was going to be a lawyer. Um, and I actually decided that I wanted to be a plaintiff's personal injury lawyer.
0: So that was your dream as a kid was to not just be a lawyer, but a plaintiff's personal injury lawyer? Yes.
1: Yeah, so I want to be a plaintiff's personal injury lawyer. I'm laughing at myself because you don't hear most people talk about growing up wanting to do that. But you know, my father was a general practitioner in Decatur. So he did everything, but he did a lot of litigation and he did a lot of personal injury litigation, and we used to talk about his cases sitting around the dinner table. Now, I know, probably didn't realize it as a kid, but as I got older, I realized the purpose of those conversations was really to teach my sister and me skills of critical analysis, critical thinking, problem solving, as well as morals and ethics. But I was really fascinated, especially by the personal injury cases, and thought this is a great way to help people to make a difference for people because you can't undo their injuries but you can do the next best thing and try to get some, get them some money to help them deal with the injuries.
0: So it sounds like as you were growing up you had positive reinforcement in your family because of all the lawyers that you had in your family which is an interesting contrast with me I had no lawyers in my family and you know Shar I think was also much more of the exception rather than the rule in her family as well. So it sounds like you were pretty firm in your path to becoming a lawyer starting at a very young age. And I know just because we're married that you ended up going to college and then going straight to law school. And then what was your first
1: job? So my first job out of law school was actually with a small insurance defense firm, meaning doing personal injury litigation, but on the defense side, defending people who caused the injury. Small firm based in Waukegan, about 25 lawyers split between Waukegan and Chicago offices. I worked in Waukegan the summer I studied for the bar and up until I got sworn in and then I moved to our downtown office after I got sworn in. And I did that for my first six years of practice.
0: And so you were in private practice for how long before you decided to go the in-house path?
1: Well, I was in private practice for 12 years before I actually went in-house, but it was around year nine that I decided to make a change in my career.
0: And so what was it one thing that happened or was it a series of things or do you think it was just a natural evolution of your career to want to go in-house. I mean, I've I've had this conversation with a number of people over the years who have either, you know, just gone straight in-house and taken a couple of different roles be- before becoming general counselor or who may actually never become a general counsel. And I, it, it's very interesting to get the various answers that you get from folks. I mean, some people go into the law thinking that it's inevitable that they're going to end up in-house For other people, sometimes it's just certain a a series of things that happen to them when they are in private practice that make them decide to go the in-house route. What happened with you?
1: So I think it's a fairly interesting route. Like we said, I grew up wanting to be a plaintiff's PI attorney. I started my career doing PI defense. Uh, I always wanted to switch to the plaintiff side. And about six years in, I had the opportunity. I had settled the third case I'd had over the years with this really outstanding plaintiff's lawyer, a guy named Steve Passon. just just an outstanding lawyer, you know, the utmost honesty and integrity. He had great cases we settled a big case and I kind of cornered him in the hallway in the courthouse. And I essentially say, Steve, if you're ever looking for a new associate, I'm interested. And he called me a couple of months later. So that was my entree into the plaintiff's side. And it was interesting. Within the first couple of weeks, my, my I was thinking, I think I made a mistake after six years as a defense lawyer, I think like a defense lawyer. So it's essentially the same work, but from a different perspective, but it's a very different perspective. And then after a couple of years of doing that, as much as I enjoyed working with Steve, I started to realize this wasn't the career path that was right for me. And, and it was a lot of things. Some of it was burnout. Some of, some of it was, I think a lot of it was realizing what it would take to really have a successful lifelong career as a plaintiff's PI attorney in Chicago was something I wasn't interested in doing. Um, I never had an interest in going in house. I never thought about going in house. But if some of my friends had gone in house and they started suggesting, why don't you try in house? Because I didn't have a plan B. I was going to be a plaintiff's PI lawyer. Here I am. Nine years into my career, I'm living my life's dream, and I started to really hate it.
0: And so you went in-house, and was it 1999 you went in-house?
1: May of 1999. I actually got my first in-house job. It was a small startup, essentially a consulting business in the technology industry. I got the job through networking with uh, my brother-in-law, your oldest brother, who knew the Uh, owner and CEO of this startup business. And he and I met and we clicked and I really liked him. And he asked me to come work for him after about three meetings, said, I'd like you to start up my legal department and my HR department. So I said yes on the spot. I walked down to my car and I tell this story a lot because I think there's lessons to be learned in it. I sat down in my car I turned my rearview mirror so I could stare at myself. And I said to myself out loud, David Sussler, what did you just do? You don't know what general counsels do and you don't know what human resources means. And I just stared at myself for a few seconds and I said, Well, you're a smart guy. You'll figure it out.
0: Well, and that seems to be a theme. Just again, knowing you as well as I do over the past 20 years, um, that seems to be a theme not just of your ultimate decision to go in-house, but also the way that you've had to figure certain things out. I mean, obviously, a lot of the experience you've gotten over the past 20 years in-house has been a byproduct, not just of taking the skills that you've learned, particularly as a trial lawyer and a litigator, and expounding on them, but you've learned some areas that are completely different from what your experience was in before.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think I've had a really interesting career in house. Like you said, I've, I've been in house for 20 years now. May 1999 is when I went in house. My first company lasted about three years. And then as the technology boom went bust, that company unfortunately went bust. And then I switched companies. Both, both my first two companies, I was the only in-house attorney. So by default, you were the general counsel. Yes, my title was general counsel. My title at my first company was general counsel and director of human resources. My second company, it was general counsel. And what was interesting, so, so there's a couple things, um, kind of going back a little bit to your previous question about how many people, there are many people who whose goal it is to go in-house. My in-house career is is in many ways... Corresponded with the rise and prestige of in-house attorneys because when I was growing up, and really when I was in law school, being an in-house attorney was not the destination job it is today. So it just it had never occurred to me to do it. But the first thing I had to do when I went in house was re-engineer my career. I I really had no formal business training, and I didn't know much about the business world, and I certainly didn't know I would like the business world. And it took me just a few months to realize. I love the business world. I think I have a knack for the business world. And realizing a lot of the things I I was doing, I had done as a litigator, I just had to see it from a different vantage point.
0: So I would imagine that the responsibilities you have as an in-house attorney, whether it's been wearing the GC hat or the Associate General Counsel GC hat, that there's probably a lot of overlap. Just to educate our listeners for thirty seconds, can you just run through what some of your responsibilities
1: are? Sure. Now I am a real generalist, so I certainly do a lot of contracts. And what that means is that that can be supply agreements. We're manufacturing companies, so it can be supply agreements. It can be purchasing capital equipment. Uh, it can be agreements with vendors, with employment agencies. I do a lot of employment and HR. Recently, I've been learning to do union labor agreements. I do all of our litigation. I handle. Uh, there's environmental. There's trademarks. There's real estate. There's M and A. International. We have com- We have companies in the U.S. and Mexico and China, and we do business all over the world. So, if something happens in the daily life of a business, I inevitably will touch it.
0: So reflecting back on the last 20 years, I mean, obviously you can draw from your earlier experience in private practice too, but the whole title of this is, you know, from inside the general counsel's office. So when you look back on the past 20 years of your career, what have been the most rewarding things that you've experienced and what have been the most challenging?
1: Well, I've grown up as an in-house counsel, and I've realized over the years, I have a few underlying themes that I practice with. You know, first I treat everybody in the company as my client, even though we all know legally my client is the company, but I, but I can't do my job without all of the other employees in the company. So I treat them as if they are my clients and my underlying goals are first to make their job easier in some way. And second to, to leave them with a, Positive impression of the legal profession, and when I know that i 'm successful in doing that 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 's incredibly rewarding. You know A good example that comes to my mind in the past year we 've dealt a lot with the tariffs uh, the two hundred and thirty two tariffs that were enacted last year, and thankfully were recently lifted they, last summer, when we were trying to figure out what to do with the potential of Canadian tariffs before they had actually been implemented. We had a meeting uh, with a number of our business people, and afterwards, I spoke offline with with the VP of that particular business unit, and I said, listen, I'm sorry I can't give you a black and white line to follow, but we just don't know yet. And he said, no, David, you've given me the confidence to proceed down the path. That I think makes the most sense from a point of business. And that is eminently rewarding. That's really, you know, my job is risk management. Ultimately, my job as a lawyer, as an in house lawyer, is risk management. So when I know that I've given my business leaders the confidence to pursue their business plans, that's extremely rewarding. So, most challenging, you know, I'm constantly learning new things, things I've never done before from week to week. And I've learned over the years to embrace. That. Um, I say it I'm often outside of my comfort zone but I have a comfort zone of being outside my comfort zone but you know I have to say it, it like learning m a is somewhat challenging this far into my career i love it um i get to go into work in the morning and uh, i get to be stupid for the day and it's a challenge but i embrace that because i use that as saying well I get to be stupid for the day that's my way of saying i get to learn i get to learn something new And that also, because I do something new, if not every day, every week, that's how I remain engaged and excited and loving my job.
0: That's great. And there's one other aspect that I think is going to be particularly important for our listeners to hear, which is you have had the experience of being at a company that went through a significant downsizing to the point where it downsized into oblivion. I think that is a particularly challenging situation of a different kind. Do you want to elaborate on that?
1: Sure. And that makes me think of a couple as well. You know, my first company at its peak, well, when I started, we had about 10 people in the office and about 50 engineers working in the field. At our peak, we had about 15 people in the office and I think a couple of hundred engineers in the field. When I left, we had three people in the office and nine engineers in the field. The hardest part of that really is the personal loss because we really liked each other in that company. And I'm actually still friends with the owner of that company. We get together once or twice a year. That, that's a big challenge. My second in-house job, even though I was in-house, I was back in court and I was doing first chair commercial litigation Which, so I was in in many ways a sole practitioner federal court commercial litigator, which is completely different beast from being a personal injury litigator. So that was a big challenge just to one, be back in court, which is something I had decided I did not want to do, and two, to learn a new type of litigation. Um, I think I'm a much better lawyer in the long run for having had that experience for those four and a half years. That was a great way to learn. Much more about business in this company. You know, I've I've been doing this long enough. I've learned to embrace a lot of the challenges, but some of the things that are still really difficult is when things arise out of the blue that you don't expect, like tariffs, which which are really politically driven and create a lot of tumult in the in the manufacturing and business world, and you don't always know what you, what's going to happen from day to day. Uh, managing a lot of people across a lot of different business groups. We have, we have over 40 different business units. We have over 3,000 employees, 25 factories in the US, three in Mexico. For me personally, some of the biggest challenges are, are when you have certain personnel situations that can get very sticky, that can be just emotionally difficult.
0: So we are almost out of time. I would like to sneak one more question in before we sign off for this first segment, which is when you look back at your career, especially the last 20 years of your in-house positions, what has surprised you the most about being in-house? And one anecdote I'd like you to share is when you were interviewing for your second position, Let's just start the let's just start the story by saying that it was on a it was on a Saturday and it was not during the week and you were given a very interesting assignment to do during your interview.
1: Yeah. So I think the single most surprising aspect of being an in-house lawyer for me was learning how much I love the business world. Like I said, I, I never formally studied it in school. I never thought I had an interest in it. And I absolutely love the business world. And the other side of that is I love being a generalist. I would have never thought that. So what I do today is I tell people I'm 32 years into my career and I feel like the luckiest guy in the world because I still love what I do. But I love what I do because I get to do something different all the time. So my interview for my second job, as you alluded to, I had an interview with, it was a second interview and it was with the owner of the company. Saturday afternoon in the office, spent about 45 minutes doing typical interview stuff, background, those types of questions. And then all of a sudden he opened his briefcase and he pulled out three briefs, which were appellate briefs from the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. And he said, I'll give you 30 minutes, read these, and then I'm going to come back in the room and you're going to argue to me as if I'm the appellate court judges. Mm -hmm. Of course, said, I can't read these in 30 minutes. He said, you got 45
0: <laughs> well, and that sort of just that said it all about the relationship you had with with the owner and how long were you there?
1: I was there four and a half years. But I will tell you, he came back forty-five minutes later and for the next hour he played as if he were the appellate panel and I argued this was an appeal of, of the loss of a motion for summary judgment. Actually, no, it was a granting of summary judgment against our company. And we argued and voices were raised during the argument. It was a very interesting interview, but three and a half, I think it was three and a half hours total interview. I walked out with a job.
0: So do you have any other surprises you would like to share with our guests before we sign off on this first segment? Surprises for your career, that is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the biggest surprise is is doing what I do today. Being an in-house lawyer was just not in the cards. Like I said, I wanted to be a PI attorney from the time I was about five years old. And I tried in-house because I had no backup plan. And I trusted my friends who said, you should try it. Great.
0: So any final thoughts, David, in this first segment? And where can I, where can our listeners find you?
1: Listeners can find me in LinkedIn, David Sussler, Twitter. Every time I'm on your show, I have to ask you my Twitter handle. I think it's at David Sussler. That sounds right. <laughs> Let's just hope. <laughs> <laughs> Last words of advice. Uh, it's kind of well. what pops to my mind is, is another thing I say often, which is follow your passion in, in looking for your career and understanding that your passion may change and then being open to recognizing that change and, and where it might lead you.
0: Those are great words of advice, and we really appreciate you joining us for this first segment, David. And we look forward to continuing our conversation in the next segment.
1: Looking forward to it. Thank you.
0: Thank you for joining us for this episode of Paradigm Shift. We hope that you have enjoyed part one of our conversation with David Sussler as we continue our recurring series, Inside the General Counsel's Office. We hope that you will join us next week for part two of our conversation. I am your host, Christina Martini. Please look for our weekly episodes every Tuesday. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please visit us at www.paradigmshiftshow.com. We would love to hear from you. Please look for new episodes of Paradigm Shift every Tuesday.